Guardian Unlimited. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Islamophonic, the Guardian's weekly slice of halal pie, meaty and juicy with every mouthful. Today we have some oral pleasure for you with a music special. With lots of different sounds on our menu, here's a selection from around the Muslim world. With me in the studio is Naveed Akhtar, who is an independent television producer and professional Muslim. We also have The Guardian's Malik Mir, editor of The Guide, which is the best thing about The Guardian newspaper on a Saturday or indeed any other day. Assalamu alaikum to you both. Wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam, hello. Now, music is a grey area. Some say it's haram, others say it's not. If we use music in our show, am I going to hell? Let's find out. On the phone from far away Leicester, we have Sheikh Ibrahim Mogra. Sheikh, assalamu alaikum and jazakallah for joining us. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. What does Islam say about music? Muslim scholarship has been divided about the rulings relating to music. Scholars look at it in different ways. The basis for those who feel or believe that music is forbidden in Islam are a number of sayings from the Messenger Muhammad, peace be on him, in which musical instruments have been likened to the tools of Satan. And so they would say that all music is forbidden and should not be utilized for any purpose whatsoever. However, we also find that the use of the drum has been reported on happy occasions such as wedding ceremonies and so forth. So there is a group that says that string and wind instruments are forbidden. However, the drum is allowed. There is another school of thought that says that music as we know it, the contemporary music is forbidden. However, music which enhances one's spiritual well-being is allowed. In the subcontinent, this is usually known as Kowali or Ghazal. So we have a whole range from being forbidden to being allowed for spiritual development and enhancement. When music is such a grey area, how do you know what's permissible and what isn't? I think Muslims have to try and strike a balance to see, according to the teachings that they have received, what is correct and what is incorrect. Not all Muslims are able to practice 100%. I struggle myself, but this is not judging people. We're not allowed to judge people if they're listening to music. I'm not allowed to judge them. It's God who judges and it is ultimately his judgment that will decide whether we have pleased him or not. What would you say to non-Muslims who accuse Islam of being a joyless religion? I think the first time I said that music wasn't allowed, we somebody wrote to us and said, oh, Islam is no fun, it just stops you from enjoying yourself. I know many, many people in society uh, do feel that Islam is a killjoy. I would like to see our young people enjoy being Muslim and enjoy Islam whilst remaining within the parameters of the law. And this is why the Nasheed culture has taken off in a big, big way, because there is there an alternative Mm. which gives a good message out. I've been listening with my children to a brilliant rap about drugs and why one should stay away from drugs. And it's so captivating. Do you know the name of the group? 
This is from Zane Beakers. It really hits home. And when young people listen to these very important messages being presented in a very contemporary way, rapping, it strikes a chord with them and they feel that, hang on, we, we can have fun as well without the other bits that uh, we shouldn't really be engaging in. Naveed, there's a broad range of opinion out there and also several styles of music um, that Sheikh Mogra was talking about. Presumably, though, where you are in the world will affect what you're listening to. Absolutely. I mean, Islam travelled to different various geographical zones and some of those cultures actually already had a tradition of music and particularly music within spirituality. So in the case of the Indian subcontinent, you already had the Hindu tradition of bhajans and actually a lot of uh, sort of religious teaching was done through music. So it was natural that Kuali developed. And of course, West Africa and Mali, a lot of those countries around sub-Saharan Africa is another great place where there was an existing tradition, which Islam then just found a way of actually just using that to convey its message. Other countries, such as within the Gulf and the Arabian Peninsula, the impression is that they're music-free, but if you go to Dubai, if you go to Saudi Arabia, switch, go, go in any taxi and they'll be playing music and they've got all their own local traditions. So it's not as strict as, um, as we like to think in the Gulf states? No, I think uh, you know we are becoming very influenced by what is quite rigid ideas about Islam and a kind of a very severe type of instruction. But actually the reality, even in the holiest of holiest places, if you go to Mecca, you know, uh, you can actually hear music there and people do engage and listen to music. OK, we've just heard from Sheikh Ibrahim Mogra, who was praising the work of Nasheed, saying they enriched people's lives. Now we're going to talk to a singer from a Nasheed group based in Birmingham. Haroon Bashir is from Sham, who call themselves the leading Nasheed group in the UK. Assalamu alaikum, Haroon. Wa alaikum assalam. Haroon, if you could just start by telling us what Nasheeds are. Nasheeds are a very traditional form of songs and also what we consider one of the forms of remembrance of God. Is it something that derives from Islamic teachings? The very first and most famous nasheed, which was sung for the Prophet, peace be upon him, when he arrived to Medina, was a track called Tal al-Badru alayna. And this was sung with the traditional drum, one-sided hand drum, which is known as the duff. How do you decide what to sing about? Well, a um, lot of the material, the traditional material, is from many hundreds of years ago. What we try to do is introduce that to a Western or younger listening audience. But because we're born and raised in, in the West, we add a contemporary touch to our music. Mercy like the rain is falling down. Mercy like the rain is falling down. When you're not referring to specific texts, how do you decide on a track like Mercy Like the Rain? Mercy Like the Rain, the actual track was a brainchild of the co-lead singer from Sham Group. The title and the concept behind it was to reflect on the mercy of, of God. We wanted to make it more accessible for the younger listening audience, especially the children. So it's a very kind of up-tempo, happy nasheed, but also contemplating on God's mercy. It has a certain nursery rhyme-like quality to it. The, the melody was composed by myself. It wasn't of a, let's say, nasheed, nasheed kind of sound that we were going for. It has a contemporary twist to the nasheed. But what we are trying to do is have, say, a east meets west kind of thing. Mercy like the rain is falling down. Mercy like the rain is falling down. Can you feel the rain is While 
I was researching this programme, I came across some people who are unhappy with the growing appeal of Nasheed groups. These critics said that Nasheed groups were no better than boy bands and that by performing live to an audience, you were creating a following and inspiring thoughts that were not entirely wholesome. Somebody said that they saw hundreds of hijabi women standing on their chairs screaming at the stage. What do you have to say about that? Well, fortunately, we don't get that because, first of all, our whole image, we have white hats and white traditional robes. So, so you try to walk- make yourselves as unattractive as possible? <laughs> that form of dress is not very unattractive. It's very traditional. I've seen, yes, the whole boy band mm. kind of and so on. The traditional act may not appeal to the, say, teenagers who are not so much into the traditional nasheeds, but where a kind of boy band sounding nasheed group can reach out. I think everybody has a niche, yeah. niche in this uh, nasheed industry. So long as you're kind of staying safe in the in the, the guidelines. Sure. Our personal belief is that Nasheed is, is a form of remembrance of God and his prophet, peace be upon him. So it's entertaining, but it's also, there's strong religious background to it. So, Haroon, Jazakallah for your time. Thank you very much. Okay, walaikum asalaam. So there we heard from Sham, which is a Nasheed group based in Birmingham. Malik, how active do you think the Nasheed scene is Britain? The Sheikh mentioned uh, also Zane Beaker, who's a South African artist. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of these kind of artists sell in, you know, quote, world music shops. And, you know, you, you do hear about these people all the time. And, I mean, to me, it sounds like um, the kind of music you hear on chill-out albums, actually. And, you know, it sounds like a, an after-party from, you know, the Mecca experience. It sounds like the best chill-out Mecca party ever album ever, yeah. I mean, is it something that you would listen to? Not personally, no. It's probably not poppy enough for me, but, you know, I can see it's got its merits. You know, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't think it's that far away from, you know, what Paul Simon was doing with Gracelands and stuff. You know, melodically, I think it's, it's just about spiritual uplifting choral voices, isn't it? But it does seem very popular in, as you say, it does fall into the world music category. And also, they sell quite well through Islamic bookshops and there are absolutely stacks of them everywhere. So there's a market out there. I think there is a big market out there and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's palatable, isn't it? It's easy listening. It's not, it's not difficult to get into. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently all music celebrating the spiritual relationship between Muslims and Allah is Sufi music. I asked Haras Rafiq from the Sufi Muslim Council to explain. Essentially, any Muslims that are producing music which has, where they sing or they discuss the relationship one has with the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, or with God, is known as Sufi music. And there are many different types, and that ranges from Qawwali, which comes from Southeast India, or the Indian subcontinent. There's traditional Sufi music, there's Nasheeds, and then there's the music that we had from the whirling dervishes in Turkey. What is a whirling dervish? A dervish is somebody who really has forsaken all worldly desires a group of people who really whirl because they feel so much in love with, with, with God and so much in love with humanity and the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, that they actually lose themselves in the whole essence of, of, of the remembering and the chanting process. Do they whirl to music or to drumming? They can whirl to anything. Sometimes they whirl to a cappella, sometimes they whirl to just chanting, sometimes they whirl to drumming. As long as it's about a relationship between God or the Prophet Muhammad or even saints, they will whirl. Thank you, What are the dangers of Sufi music becoming so popular and commercial 
that they actually lose touch with their spiritual origins. I think there's a huge danger of that happening, and I think that we're seeing some of that now. There is a danger that as more and more money is being ploughed into Nasheeds, that we are starting to lose the essence of, of, of where Sufi music comes from, and we're moving into the realms of politics. So you don't think Muslim music should be political? I'm not saying that at all. I'm th- saying that Sufi music should not be political because it's not Sufi music anymore. If, it's, if we have music sung by Muslims that's political, then it's music. I'm trying to differentiate between Sufi music and music. Sufi music is purely and simply when one is singing or chanting, discussing and talking about or singing about the relationship one has purely and simply with God, with the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, or with saints. So would you classify hip-hop nasheed as music or depends, Sufi music? It depends what they're singing about. If they are singing about the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, saints, or God and the relationship, then it's Sufi music. And it doesn't contradict Islamic teachings? Not according to mainstream Sufis, it doesn't. That varies between the different Sufi orders. Some Sufi orders will not use anything other than drum. Some Sufi orders will use drum and oud. Some Sufi orders will use anything and everything. Uh, So it depends which Sufi order one belongs to uh, will determine what level of instruments one permits. So far, so Sufi. But if warm and fuzzy tunes about spiritual devotion aren't your cup of tea, then there is another dimension to Muslim music with artists who aren't afraid to rock the boat. One of these antagonists is Aki Nawaz, rapper and musician, who has scandalised record labels in Middle England with tracks about jihad and suicide bombers. I reject your truth because it's all a lie. Reject your proofs and American pie. Reject your labels, I am what I am. Reject your democracy, it's all a fish. If you talk about politics in my work, politics come before the music and it always has done you'll find that politics and religion and culture and racism and identity and talking about sexism has always been a part of our vision I push out the boat and I've got no problem with it and I get myself into a lot of trouble but I kind of feed off that You've been criticised for tracks like Cookbook DIY and I Reject do you think your lyrics incite violence? It's just stupid kind of, you know, the level of intelligence that's going around at the moment in terms of some very, very serious issues uh, amazes me. My work is a soundtrack to the reality that's going on around us. You know, tracks like Cookbook talk about three different kind of bombers and say that morally, that you know, all of them are not justified, and especially the one that works for the, the government and makes the biggest of bombs. Unpacked up ingredients, stacked up my laptop, downloaded their military cookbook PDF. Elements, everyday chemicals at my reach, household bleach to extract the potassium. That's my right to dissent from normal society. I understand you had problems making and distributing your album. You know, we're used to kind of being banned or being sidelined or being alienated. I mean, you know, it's a kind of a reflection of our, you know, the world we live in. Usually it ends up exposing wider society as being kind of, you know, not as intelligent as it claims to be or civilised. Why can't you just make nice records about, you know, loving Islam and loving Allah and, you know, wanting to follow the ways of the Prophet? Yeah, but... I mean, if you look at our work, there is lovey songs in there, but, but then again, there's enough lovey songs and there's enough people doing nasheeds and all that. You know, I, I take my art very serious. To me, it's not a, entirely about entertainment. It's also about education, but confronting really serious issues. It's kind of too much of a serious artist to be thinking about 
people kind of dancing. And in terms of um, you know zikr and Allah and all that stuff, I think our work is based on love anyway. But but we will go to war to get love. That's the difference. We will, you know, we're not passive people. Who buys your records? I think it varies actually. I think probably more uh, non-Muslims than Muslims. Hippies, anarchists, lefties. It's amazing because I keep bumping into young guys who are, who are now probably in their 30s and 40s who are very much into their Islam and they say, listen, we think music is Aram, but believe it or not, it wasn't until we listened to Fundamental that we actually went back to Islam. Still in the studio are documentary maker Naveed Akhtar and the editor of The Guardian Guide, Malik Mir. Naveed, the two genres of music, nasheed and politicised hip-hop, as we've just heard from Aki, they seem very polarised. Is there a third way? I'm not really sure, actually. I think, um, I think actually, that what they are is they're just expressions of where Muslims are at, and there isn't one kind of Muslim. Some people see their Islam really as a political reality, and they're focused very much on the political world. For other people, it's just a spiritual experience, and that's all they want to do. And then for other people, it's more of a cultural practice. So I, I suspect what actually it should be is a combination of all of those. So in that way, what you're getting now is this kind of outpouring of expression taking place. We've had a very strong politicised movement movement which is which is kind of mobilized people and made people very active and i think we're coming with you know people themselves are realizing how limited that can be in this society and so that one of the one of the sort of progressions of, of of british muslims is that we're now entering into what i would call cultural jihad and so really we're going to start discussing what we're about what our issues are through music and expression and i think aki's at one end of it he's quite edgy and he's kind of touching a lot of nerves and at the other end of it some people are just literally singing about God's reign and that's what they see as being an amazing and wonderful thing. And also that's what they see as expressing their religion. That for them is Islam. It's not about politics. Because there is no one understanding of Islam. For many, many people there are many different understandings and particularly that's what's so brilliant about living in Britain. You don't have to follow one particular school. You can. We have a very wide range of people mm. who are doing that. Okay, great. Well, we just talked about um, hip-hop as a way of expressing yourself and expressing yourself through uh, music and talking about the reality of where Muslims are at in this day and age. Um, so what's happening elsewhere? Almost inevitably, the hip-hop scene in the US is a force to be reckoned with. It's more developed, it's more mainstream, and it's more polished. But is it any better? We're really pleased to have Mike Shapiro, the founder of MuslimHipHop.com, on the line from Los Angeles. His website promotes artists who use music to convey a positive message about Islam and its values. Mike, thanks so much for getting up early to do this interview. What kind of music is on your website? What kind of artists do you have on there? Uh, it's primarily hip-hop artists. That's probably like 75% of the artists. We have a lot of nasheed or traditional Islamic artists. Uh, and then we also have some pop artists like uh, 786 and uh, Outlandish, who is getting more and more uh, sort of Islamic in their content. So I decided to add them. Look into my eyes. Tell me what you see. You don't see a damn time. Because you can't relate to me. You're blinded by our differences. My life makes no sense to you. I'm the persecutor one. What would you say is the most popular genre on your website? Do people always gravitate towards hip-hop? Actually, um, Nasheed artists are the primary traffic drivers to my site. 
and my site is primarily uh, for hip-hop artists. Um, you've got a code of conduct. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, this is this should be music for the cause of, or not necessarily the cause, but the overall um, situation of Muslims in the world. We're getting, you know, oppressed, and we're also dividing amongst ourselves. We're doing a lot of bad things. I want the content of this music to be about those things so we can have some positive change. The Code of Conduct is all about, you know, significantly talking about Islamic topics. Why are Muslim artists gravitating towards hip-hop and rap? Uh, Well, hip-hop has always been sort of a voice of the unheard. Muslims especially can't get their voices heard. And hip-hop is a very useful tool to communicate your ideas, whether they're good or bad. Um, And we can see hip-hop used in a bad way, such as Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent. They actually have an impact on the youth, whereas we, as, you know, Muslims that believe in Islam, you know, have something good come out of it. I guess it's a lot cooler and a bit more accessible for younger audiences as well. Exactly, because you can't just talk about Islam in the mosque. There has to be as many avenues as possible. So, I mean, some people would never hear about Islam, but they like hip-hop. So maybe they'll listen to some hip-hop song by one of our artists, and they'll say, hey, this is uh, really cool, and it's sort of teaching me about the benefits of Islam or, you know, stuff like that. That is really powerful, and we can reach people who we never thought of being able to reach before. Naveed, how do Muslim hip-hop artists measure up to their non-Muslim counterparts? Well, I think even within mainstream US hip-hop, there has been an undercurrent of Islam always there. It's kind of slightly anti-establishment message. And I think the fact that a lot of uh, people within the black community in the US see Malcolm X as a great figurehead, and he was a Muslim as well. So it's part of that kind of whole thing about being a part of the, I mean, Public Enemy have done it and various other people. So it, it, over there, I th- it's spliced in a lot, more, a, a lot more in a way that it works. You don't really sense that. But I think when people are now consciously actually calling themselves Muslim rappers are putting that thing there. It's become the lingo franca of the uh, un- underclass of Muslim youth. So there's French hip-hop rappers who are Algerians. You can go to Morocco, you can hear rapping there, and all of it is Islamic or has an Islamic undertone. But when we say Islamic, we mean whether, normally within the political context. As opposed to singing about spiritual devotion. Uh, it has been done. Californian Sufi hip hops, uh, hip hop guys. I heard them a few years ago, but I think hip hop by its nature is a kind of a thing about angst and about ang- you know it can be. Uh, it, it sort of lends itself well to that, and I think that's where it's being used really. Malik, can you be a Muslim musician without making Muslim music? Yeah, I mean Aki, Aki Nawaz was a you know he was a drummer in a punk band, wasn't he? Um, and so yeah, of course he can. Um, and then there was there's other bands just around and about that you see like the, they're called the Caminas uh, and they're on MySpace and you know they sing about being Asian rather than being Muslim. Um, but I mean I, I mean and then there's rappers like Lupe Fiasco who was like the biggest rapper last year. He was like Jay Z's hot new signing and you know he's a Muslim and he does talk about being a Muslim, but it's not just about being a Muslim. You've got to also remember about people like Richard Thompson, Danny Thompson. There's, there's a whole range of jazz musicians who became Muslim, uh, particularly through the 60s and the 70s, and a lot of old uh, ex-hippie musicians also have become Muslim. Many of them kept very quiet about it, really. So do you think that religion can be a hindrance in achieving commercial success? 
I don't think, uh, like like in any other aspect of life, I think either it's there as an inspiration or it's there in the background, but it's not, you know, com- some of these people are not even looking for commercial success. It's not even on their horizon. That's not why they make music. So those who are are probably just, you know, using it in a different, uh, are not, not, not putting it at the front. At the end of the day, is Muslim music any good? Uh, well, again, it's such a broad and generic question. You see, you have to, it, 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 and it, and it, you have to be subjective about what you like. So, I think, I think what what you can say is that there's such a range for you to choose from. What do you like? Uh, I personally uh, I probably like world music, and I wouldn't like I, I wouldn't class some of the people that we were listening earlier. What Malik said as world music, I think the kind of syrupy uh, advert type jingly music is not really. You know, I think that's very much a Western creation, this sort of Muslim boy band for, for a Western audience. It's like chicken tikka masala. Well, yeah, it doesn't really a, exist, it's, got a, yeah, it's got a synthetic anyway. air yeah. to it. Okay. And you can sense it. So I, I don't personally feel it's got musical integrity to it, you know, but my four-year-old niece thinks it's fantastic. And, you know, yeah. that, I think that's fair enough. But I personally, my own kind of, um, I, you know, I have a very diverse taste and I would say there's a lot of spiritual music which transcends just being Muslim, but you, you, you sense something spiritual in there. But I particularly am a big fan of music from both Mali and... Uh, I love koalis and stuff. So in, in that way, I think uh, th- th- there's such a choice that you've got, really. Malik, any favourites? I'm just kind of anything and everything, really. Uh, I mean, you know, I love um, I love the kind of stuff I grow up with. Um, I love Nusrat Fateli Khan. I love, you know, I like the Klaxons, who, uh, you know, are the big indie band of the moment. You know, it's just anything and everything. Uh, well, Naveed and Malik, Jazakallah for coming into our studio and sharing your views. That was Islamophonic. The show was produced by Francesca Panetta and presented by me, Riaz Atbutt. Thank you for listening and until next week, stay halal. Guardian Unlimited.